I, mean, I don't know when this is going to be live, but it's it's going to be out in early May. And you don't know about this yet, Evan. So, I mean, you talked about drawing lines to find distances and stuff. Uh, so we, we have a new navigation mode that nobody has. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Hoyt Bow Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Ferris. And today I've got Evan Williams, my sidekick with me, and we are talking to Ed Gramza. Um from Basemap. How's it going today, Ed? Man, it's great. I am just counting out the days till I can get out hunting. Right on, right on. Well, it's starting to warm up a little bit. We're starting to see the green out there, and that's when the fever really starts, doesn't it? Yes. I mean, I, I'm leaving here to go turkey hunting, so that's that's a start. Oh, it's man. A start, but, when, but now you're, coming. you're in Wisconsin, right? I am. And where, where are you going turkey hunting? Uh, so I will be up in Door County, Wisconsin, which is northeast of Green Bay a little ways. Um, so I was up there a couple of years ago. Killed, we killed two birds in an hour. Cool. Uh, I got a buddy that lives up there, so we're going to go and we're going to go chase them around for a couple of days this weekend. What what time of year, what, when does your turkey opener happen up in Wisconsin? Uh, middle of, end to middle of April. So Wisconsin's okay. kind of weird with turkey. You have to apply for a zone and a week so i get seven days to kill a bird really yeah wow. so it's, it's if you don't kill a bird during your time period you you know you're done or you yeah. can you know there's an opportunity to get late late season tags that are over the counter but right you know then you're you're into the end of may and it's just the turkey hunt's not that great yeah, yeah. and it's a i hope yes wing in a prayer if you've listened to you know the the jace bowserman and andrew goo podcast it's that late season gets very, very difficult. Yeah, yeah I don't even is. bother anymore. I used to, I used to get a late season tag, and I don't even bother anymore. It's just, it's not it's good. Tough. The birds have been beat up. They all turn into the birds have been there. beat up. You know, the the toms and jakes are just out cruising around. You just have to hope that you're in the right place at the right time because the hens are all bred, and it's just a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's tough. Well, today we're going to be talking about all things e scouting, and. I'm going to give you a little background on me and e-scouting. I was an early adopter and jumped in and and really found out the advantages of using some of these e-scouting uh, mapping tools that were out there. And I'm talking, uh, man, I don't know when exactly, in the mid-2000s or something like that. And mm -hmm. Google and using them in combination with Google Earth. And as these mapping softwares have developed and the, the features have really come out and back in the day, you know, when some of the features like um, property ownership and, you know, the, the grids and the mapping, you had to do most of that on your GPS and yeah. understanding how to get things from your GPS to the computer and vice versa was a nightmare. It was really, it was really, really hard. But the the basic premise that you had at your hands, all this land ownership and the names of the owners and the, uh, um, literally, it was something I wanted to hide from people. <laughs> for I, I bet you, I mean, I was working full time for Bowhunter Magazine and doing a lot of, you know, using it a a lot 
on TV shows and things like that in the background. And they would say, Oh, you, you need to talk about how you're doing this. And I'm like, the hell I do. I don't, <laughs> I don't want anyone to know about this. You know what I mean? It was a, right. And I, I knew a lot of other guys that were kind of the, you know, or especially early adopters. We were all kind of the same way. We, it, it was mm-hmm. like, it was a secret weapon, you know? And nowadays the good part is, I can literally sit down at the computer and go through and I can only, you know, with the exception of knowing where the animals really are and, you know, how they use the terrain and things like that. But there's a lot of situations where when I go into a place for the first time, I feel like I've been there. Right. Because I have, I have done such a thorough job e-scouting before I ever set foot in that area. The the bad thing is, is that everyone else has figured this stuff out too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so tell us kind of how you got into e-scouting. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's obvious to everyone out there. You need to have some kind of understanding of this. Um, the capability that you have nowadays, you draw a special tag or something like that, whether it's out West, wherever it is, man, you have the ability to really scout that place hard, to replace trips that you used to take out there, multiple scouting trips out there. It's still necessary to put boots on the ground because just like we were talking about, you don't, there's a lot of things that you don't learn without book, without putting boots on the ground. But if you're only going to have one opportunity to get out there and actually climb through the hills and, and scout in person, you you wouldn't believe how much that you can do before you get to that point just from home. Um, yeah, right. So how how did you uh, how did you get started with these scouting? Oh man, well my my days of, of this goes back to when I worked for our competitor. Um, you know, everybody knows Onyx. Onyx, yep. I w- I was actually doing things with them back when they were still hunting GPS maps. Yeah, yeah. You know, but before before they even had an app, you know, it was yep. all like you said, all on a on a Garmin handheld. Yeah, um, you know, using using Google Earth and then going to the handheld to try to figure it out. I yep. still have that GPS chip in my Garmin <laughs> oh, right now. To I, this day. I have all of my SD cards still. You know, and the and the little micro SD cards. I have all. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, I work for the competitor, but I still have them too. I I have not taken my handheld out in years. I don't right. even know if it will turn on, but I still have it. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, which, I started which, with which that. means that you know, I'm surprised Garmin hasn't put a hit out on all of you. <laughs> you know, I mean, because literally the, the your your cell phone, your smartphone has replaced handheld GPUs, GPS units. There's there's almost no reason to have them. Yeah, no, especially with the no. saveable data on maps. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Story, I, I interrupted you, story Ed, I'm sorry. Keep, keep no, going. No, no, it's all good. You know, I mean, back when OnX came out with their app, I mean, it was kind of a at, – at the start, it was a dumpster fire. I mean, it was – not good, you know, but obviously they improved it. Now there's competition out there to help everybody, you know, move forward. Uh, but, you know, being that, like you said, I live in Wisconsin and I go out west every year. Um, you know, I don't have the opportunity to get out west to scout, you know, boots on the ground. I had to figure out a way, you know, right. Google Earth, the, you know, on X or base map desktop version. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, to just kind of get a lay of the land, figure out, you know, where I'm going to, where I'm going to set up camp, where I'm going to hunt, you know, where the, the terrain, you know, what the terrain is like, where I might be able to find water, um, right. you know, all that, all that sort of thing. And just marking up maps and being able to transfer it to my cell phone, you know, so that, like you said, you have, a, you kind of have a lay of the land before you even get out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and these tools, no matter what company you're using, I mean, they've just gotten better and better and better. Um, you know, when, when I was with OnX, I mean, Evan was, was kind of with me there too. I mean, mm-hmm. back then we didn't, they didn't have competition. Right. You know, now, now there's, you know, there's a dozen of these apps out there. Um, sure. you know, and everybody does something a little different, but, but it's also pushing everybody to, to try to do better. Yep. Right. Well, and I, and I still know guys who are walking around with their, their handheld GPS and their chips and yep. they haven't taken the time. They it, well, what they do is they always assume that figuring that app out is is going to be difficult. And they're to the point now where it's not it's not that difficult at all. Um, right. And and everything, all of those nightmares that you had, transferring your data, your tracks, and things like that from your handheld GPS over yes. to the desktop version and things like that. That's gone. When, right. when you do something, let's say that you head out into the field and you turn on your mapping software and you, you hike up into a bowl or basin or something like that, and you come out and you make waypoints and things like that. When you go to the desktop version and, and log in, they are there. It, there. Your entire right. track that you went, how long yep. it took you, the elevation you climbed, all of that stuff, all of your waypoints, it's all, it's all there. It's, it, right. it, it's amazing. It's Star Trek crap. You know, it, you know, you talked about transferring points. I mean, when I switched over to using just an app, okay, yeah. not my handheld anymore, you know, there's ways to take everything I had in my handheld and put it in the app. Yeah. And so I, I lost nothing. Yeah. Right, right. It, 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 it is, it can be a little difficult, you know, navigating through the Garmin software and getting the files, but, you know, it can be done. You literally yeah. lose nothing. Yep. And, it, you know, eventually, you know, I don't think I ever did a full-fledged transfer of all of my old Garmin waypoints over, but over the, you know, once I started just, you know, the, the handheld would stay in my pack and the, the phone would be out. And I, the next thing you know, I had most of my waypoints there anyway, you know, right. Anything that was pertinent to me over the last 10 years or, uh, you know, is there, um, it's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. The only thing that I can say that I'm, really still using a handheld for is I've got some of those Garmin Rhino, um, Rhino handhelds that have the, uh, the RF radio in them. Yes. And those can be a huge benefit sometimes, especially, you know, I hunt with my dad a lot. My dad's in his seventies and if anything ever happened to him, the, you know, being able to pull his position with that radio and go straight to him is a, is a huge feature to me uh, that I don't think anybody is there's, you know, if you don't, if you don't have, when you're using your cell phone out in the field, if you don't have cell service, you have to have your maps downloaded onto your device and there's right. no way of really communicating with anyone else around you. But um, right. so <clears throat> why don't we break that out just a little bit? Like a lot of guys, I think their biggest hangup is, you know, how do I, how do I keep my device? Let's say that I'm going out and I'm going to be on a week long trip and I'm not going to be at a place where I can plug my phone in. 
and I'm not going to have any cell service. That's the yeah. big hang up for a lot of these guys. Mm -hmm. They don't know how they are going to deal with that. So talk, talk a little bit about how that's done and, and how easy it actually is. You know, so what I like to do is I like to use the desktop to mark my waypoints, okay? Because you can see it in the larger format. I can zoom in and see what I'm really looking at. You know, like you mentioned, it transfers over to the phone and vice versa. So now I can right. go into the phone and start creating my offline maps, okay? Right. You know, you can, with base map, you can select three different sizes. Basically, the larger the, the size, the lower the resolution. You know, right. to, you know, a, a fairly small, I don't remember exactly how, you know, mile by mile, you know, how big it is, but you can get high resolution. So now I start saving those on my, on my phone because I see where I put my, yep, where I put my markers, I know what I need to get. Right. Uh, you know, off, offline we're talking, you know, I'm, I'm headed to, to Montana in September to chase antelope and mule deer. And I'm going to be in a spot that has absolutely zero cell phone service. Right. So I've already started saving my maps and creating my maps, you know, and I need, I need like a hundred of them because it's going to be a pretty large area that we're traveling around looking for, mm -hmm. for animals. Um, so once you're on your phone, you know, once you're out in the field, you go into offline mode, offline mode helps conserve your battery because now it turns off the cell phone signal to the app. So it's not trying to constantly ping the servers. It's going to right. use, it's going to use whatever information you've saved on your device. And just so all of you know, like when he's talking about saving these maps, it is easy. It, yeah. it is super easy. You go in there like he's talking about on your desktop. You have this big picture of this area. You go in and you put some waypoints. I'm interested in being here. I'm thinking about uh, camping here, uh, you know, all of those things. And then you open them up on the phone. You see those marks and literally you're just selecting the big chunks of land around there and saying, download this. And you, you want to yep. do it when you're hooked up to Wi-Fi so that you're yep. not um, having to use up a bunch of your data because there is quite a bit of data that's downloaded right yep. there. But literally, it can be done in minutes. It, yes. it, it's it's fast. super fast. It's super easy. And then when you get out there like he's talking about, man, you just once your cell phone loses signal, you go into that offline mode like he's talking about. It uses up a heck of a lot less battery. And right. all of those things that you saw, they are, they're downloaded on your phone. So you see all the detail on a big color screen. Right. You know, and, and you know, we'll download satellite. We'll download topo like it's just a strictly topography map and a hybrid, you know, a satellite with topo. Um, whatever, whatever layers you have turned on, be it, um, you know, game management unit boundaries or, or public land, private land, um, trails, anything like that's going to be saved on there. So you can toggle all that stuff on and off. Yeah. Um, you know, one, one really cool thing is if you are offline and out in the field and you're saving markers or creating tracks, anything that you do is saved. And once you get cell phone service, it populates you know, right. your whole account, you know, so everything yep. is going to be there even once you, even if you're offline. Yeah. So when you go back home and you open yep. up your desktop and your, your cell phone is hooked up to data service again, all of those things that you did while you were gone on your trip are boom, they are there. It's like yep. magic. <laughs> right. It's no, awesome. So, 
about two months about two months ago we had upgraded our offline mapping experience i mean it was kind of last fall a lot of people were having issues i mean our file sizes were so big it was taking forever to download an area okay so we kind of changed the sizes and the data that's down you know or put on the phone changed some servers and now it's a lot faster uh, but one thing that we did now is I don't exactly know what marketing term we're using, like the hunt vault or something. So now when you create an offline map, it's going to be on your phone. But if you delete it from your phone, it stays in the cloud, okay? And you can re-download that. You know, really? Once you create it, it's always there. Right, right, right. Okay. So you can go and say, I want this to exist on my phone again. Because you're, you're, yep. you're, you're eating up space on your phone when you download these maps. And Correct. depending upon what resolution you're using, whether you're going to, you know, the little five mile square or the hundred mile square, uh, if, if you're if you're doing the five mile high resolution squares over a large area, you're going to use up some space, some storage right. space on your phone. So what he's saying is that you can take that off of there. And rather than having to go re-identify each one of those little squares you downloaded, you can select them all and bam, they re-download to your phone automatically. That's awesome right. feature and we're 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 tooling around with the idea and i i think we're going to do it i don't know if it's being worked on yet but being able like if i create an offline map a square that i can send it to evan and evan can download it he doesn't have to create anything whatever i created goes to him or vice versa oh nice. that's especially for that's hunting partners that yeah correct yep for you know for hunting partners or you know here in the midwest or you know you in kansas evan you know hunting leases you create a map and, and be able to share it with whoever you're hunting with. Right. Well, and you know, talk about uh, the GPSs that are, that are on most smartphones now. Um, that's something that I think a lot of people don't understand either is what kind of capability the GPS units in their smartphone actually have and what kind of accuracy they have. I mean, they're accurate to within three meters, I think. Yeah. Give or yeah. take, you know, they're, they're as accurate now as, as a Garmin. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some Garmin's that claim they're super accurate. They have the external antennas. Doesn't mean they're more accurate. Just means they're more powerful. Okay. okay. They can get through a tree canopy or out of a Canyon or something. I mean, a phone might have limitations if you're in a dense canopy of trees or in some slot Canyon or something, but even a, a cheap Garmin E-Trex is going to have that same problem. Right. Um, you know, so it, it's as accurate as any Garmin out there because it's it's pinging the same satellites, um, sure. the same number of satellites, you know, to triangulate your position. Um, you know, so you don't have to worry about it being accurate. I mean, yeah, right. there, there's a, a margin of error, but the only thing more accurate than that is military stuff. Right, right. So, so, I mean, that's. I think that that's the concern of a lot of guys is that they just don't feel like that's – like – they don't understand that if they lose cell phone coverage, you still have GPS coverage. Correct. I, I like to joke. Big brother always knows where you are. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Um, yeah, if you're if you're if you're headed off to do something bad, you better leave your cell phone behind because everybody knows where you're at. Um, exactly. So. Um, as far as like, let's talk about that guy that is going to be gone for a week. Even if you're offline and you're not using the cell signal, um, and that's the only app that's running on your phone is is, is your your mapping app. Um, you're still using power with that GPS. Right. You're still using power just with the screen on. 
And um, how do you address uh, trying to keep things powered up for a week? Um, I mean, if you're if you're creating a track and leaving a breadcrumb trail, that satellite's always pinging you. Okay, right. That's gonna that's gonna chew battery quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more often you take it out of your pocket and t- and look at it, it's yeah. chew through battery quick. Um, really, the, the ideal thing is to just always have some sort of a backup battery source to plug into your phone and just make sure it's charged. Right. Um, you know, you you can turn down the the brightness, but if you're out in the day, you got to have brightness up high to see it anyway. Um, I mean, there, it really depends on your phone, how old your phone is, meaning how old the battery is, and how often you're pulling it out of your pocket to look at it. Right. Are there any solar I mean, chargers I, that you really like? Uh, you know, so I carry. Gosh, I've got like some Mophie chargers. I've got Goal Zero. Um, you know, so it's always some sort of battery pack that I can charge you know, with a solar panel or something. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I always have one or two charger, you know, charging devices, you know, with me at camp or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when I was in Wyoming last September, I don't think I hardly ever charged up, you know, put my phone on a charger out in the field. I mean, we were out in the field all day and, right. you know, I was using the phone, but I never was at like, Oh crap. I'm almost out of battery life. Right. Um, Ed's, Ed's phone is newer than mine. No, well, at, the, <laughs> at that time I had my old phone. I didn't have the one I have now, but I, I mean, I, I was using it constantly in marketing, marketing waypoints and, and never was at a point where I thought I needed to charge it, but I still had a charge, you know, some sort of charging device in my pack. Right. Just right, in right, case. Right. right. <laughs> well, and I, the way that I have addressed it in the past is, is trying to find, um, and I, I apologize. I don't know what brand they are off the top of my head, but I had a couple of these power banks that were that were strong enough to charge your phone like twice or three times. Mm-hmm. And so I would use one to charge it. And the other one, I had a goal zero solar charger and I would yeah. put it out there in the sun and let that thing sit there and charge that power bank the entire time. So I'd run the one power bank if I needed to, to keep my phone powered up. And then once that power bank was depleted, the other one was basically full because it's been out on that solar charger in the direct sunlight. Right. You know, where I put it in a place where it's in direct sunlight, and it it can be done. It's not it's not that hard. No, and, and you know that's a legit concern. I mean, if you yeah. wanted to sit here and talk about the the pros and cons of a phone versus a handheld GPS, well, that's that's, that's a pro in, in in a handheld or yeah. in GPS is you could just replace the batteries. Yep. Yep. Super easy. Um, where, you know, the cell phone, yeah, you have to have some way to charge it. You can't just put a new set of double A's in it. Yeah. As long as you can get that recalibration figured out to balance it here, spin it this way, (laughs) axis rotation. (laughs) Well, that didn't work. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, there, there are pros and cons to, you know, a handheld, you know, Garmin versus a phone. Um, that's definitely one of them. Oh yeah, there's there there still are, um, but one of the things that I just can't get away from with the with using the phone now is the size of the screen. Especially, I hate to give away my age here, but when I hit about forty two years old, the eyes started to go, and um, and I just can't see things on those smaller on on the smaller GPS units. Um, yeah. That big screen that you've got on your smartphone is, oh man, you can see 
everything is unless you're in direct sunlight, like you're talking about, then it's then right. it's a little tougher. But it's the difference is night and day. You know, yep. the, the thought yep. of having to look at everything on my little GPS screen now would drive me bananas, you know, yep. and the higher resolution of that smartphone just the screen itself and, and the details that you can get with with the pairing of Google Earth with what Basemap is doing and, and again the features where you have that 3D mode and the ability that you have to look into more detail. So talk about right. that a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. You know, I mean, yeah, that's another difference between a Garmin and, and the phone is the Garmin, it's strictly a flat topple white map. Right. Okay? Where the phone... Yeah, you can look at a topo map, but you have that satellite imagery. If you're looking for, you know, some meadows to go sit in for elk or whatever, you can see that. You don't know what that is on a handheld. It's just it's just a flat map with topo lines, and, right. and a lot of people can't read topo lines anyway. I know. Yeah, yeah and they think I, they can, but they can't. I was talking to you about this, and I know guys that are very that are very 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 good with topo lines. They can they can read them really well i wouldn't i wouldn't ever say that i was one of those guys um and 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 the reason is is because when when i go in like on google earth um and always exaggerated the elevation gained by like 1.5 or something like that um that visual for me was what i what i really needed you know what i mean then i understood the lay of the land a whole lot better and just didn't have to think about it. Um, and that's something that you guys have done over at Basecamp that, it, you know, what I'm talking about doing, I used to use my mapping software over here and then Google Earth over here to yeah. really understand and get the picture of what I was looking at with Google Earth. What you're talking about with Basemap is kind of uh, uh, marrying those two, is it not? Yeah, so, you know, so we've had, you know, we were the first ones to really have 3D on web, or, I'm mm -hmm. sorry, on a mobile device. You know, so the unfortunate thing is we only have 3D for iOS. Mm -hmm. um, you know, our high resolution maps right now are Google Earth or, you know, Google Maps, but um, we use Apple Maps for uh, 3D. So it is only on iOS, which... A lot of people have I have Apple phones anyway. Um, sure. you know, there's a, all this licensing stuff and whatnot with Google that we just can't use their 3D. It's something we're looking into to, to get it on all all devices. Uh, but one thing that we do have coming soon is we do have 3D for web. You know, so if you're doing your e-scouting online you know, on a computer, you're going to have 3D maps there. So you don't have to keep bouncing back between base map and Google Earth. You're going to have the base map information in a 3d platform to do exactly what you're talking about, being able to see the terrain and, and know what you're getting into. Right. Um, you know, we don't have, we don't have the 3d offline, you know, so, you know, that's something you're going to be doing, you know, when you're, when you have service anyway, you know, if you're way back in the, in the country, you're just not going to have it. It would be nice. You know, right. so if you're going to, if you're going to yeah. move areas and you can see what you're doing, but um, you know, it, 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 that is very data intensive and it, it's super large files. So, Right. You know, we just can't get it to, to do offline. But, um, yeah, it's super helpful on, on the iOS devices. And then, like I said, coming soon on, on our web, web, web version of Basemap. Well, where that from for a guy like me that, like I said, isn't quite smart enough to look at those topo lines and understand everything that's going on. 
without seeing them in 3D form. Um, when you go in there to, to, to plan out, how am I going to get from here? And, and, and like it or not, I, one of the things that I've noticed, especially here in Colorado, where Colorado, we are everyone's plan B. If they don't draw Western tags, other places they're coming to Colorado. Because you have too many over-the-counter tags. Yeah. That you're exactly right. I think last year, or the, maybe it was two year, years ago here in Colorado, it was like 57% of our non-resident, or of our archery elk hunters were non-residents. 57%. Um, so there's a lot of guys that are planning trips out here. And I've found that if you go up into a canyon that has an established horse trail or hiking trail in it, you're going to have company. Um, So I I have to plan on bushwhacking and going where there isn't a trail Mm -hmm. and planning these routes up into there. And the advantage of seeing that topography and, and, Having the visual, I, 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 they've always said men are very visual creatures. I am a very visual creature. Um, and if I don't have that visual, when I'm plotting my access into some of these places, I am absolutely crippled by it. Um, so what you're talking about is a huge advantage because you can you, you can see right there which routes you really need to take up into these areas. And you can plot all of that before you're ever there. It's a tremendous advantage. You know, Danny, the easiest way to read a topo map, the closer the lines are together, the more you want to stay away from them. (laughs) Thanks, Evan. (laughs) I have have figured that part out. I have. uh, Have you figured it out the hard way? Oh, yeah, absolutely. 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 But it, for, for whatever reason, when you throw that thing in a 3D map, it's just easier to understand for me, for whatever reason, right. you know. Um, also, finding glassing points. Finding right. glassing points is a, it, it, it's it, on a topo map, you don't really understand. And then also when you, when you see the, uh, all of it in a 3D, uh, in a 3D layer, and it's satellite so that you see what kind of cover there is, you know, because you might have a point, but if it's covered in pine trees, you know that you're not going to have a glassing point, you know, right. Um, 90% of the time that I've ever found glassing points while desktop scouting, I've established those glassing points before I ever get there using that kind of, uh, that, that kind of 3d software. Uh-huh. Right. And, you know, that that is a great thing to, to look for when you're on the computer and, and starting your e-scouting is is marking those glassing points. And yeah, then, exactly. you know, look at look at a 3D thing, like you said, and see if if you're even going to see anything. Right. Because if it's right. all timber, if it's all it looks good on a, on a topo, topo map. But as soon as you go to 3D or something, man, it's going to look whole, a whole lot different. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, it absolutely does. Now, with Google Earth, um, one of the things that I've always noticed uh, it, that, that I've found very valuable in the past, um, I'm, I, I look for water sources while I'm looking on Google Earth. And there are times where you will find this big stock tank or uh, natural dam or something like that that holds water and you get all excited. Oh, man, it's, you know, there's water right there. And then you get there and it's there is no water. It's dried up. It's been dry <laughs> oh, yeah. for two years or something like that. Um on Google Earth, you have the ability to go back to an older map. 
You know what I mean? So you can right. look at it and say, okay, this map, this aerial photo on this map was taken in 2018. Well, I can skip back to like 2014 or 2012 or 2010 and look at other maps and see if there was still water in there. Are you able to do that with yours at this point? No. I mean, we, we have various vendors that we get our maps from. You know, we don't right. create the actual maps. I mean, Google's one the of our vendors, right. Apple. Yeah, the imagery. Right. So, no, what we get is what we get, you know, and, and right. people, we get complaints all the time. This map is old. Well, right. talk to Google because they haven't updated it. It's not It's not us. You know, right. We're kind of, you know, it's just the way it is. I mean, we, we can't send the satellite over and, and take an image. I mean, it takes forever for them to put those images together and, and create it. You know, it's so, yeah, I mean, it's going to be outdated per se, but that's just just the way the way it works because of our our vendors. Um, well, you know, if we could it sounds if we if we had unlimited money, yeah, we could launch satellites and take all our own imagery. But yeah, well, it it sounds like Google uh, is is a pain for you guys. Google doesn't really like us hunters anyway. Um, <laughs> but I I. I let one of those tips that I don't like to let slip slip a second ago. If you see on an aerial photo like that water, that's something that you can do is go over to Google Earth, look at that same spot, skip backwards in time and see if it consistently holds water or not so that you don't put all of your eggs in one basket. So I'm going to, I'm going to take your tip one step further. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You know, so if you're on base map, even on the phone or desktop, you can put a marker down. Right. There's an option to transfer it to Google Earth, so it'll take you right to the exact spot. Really? Search for it. Oh, yeah. Lickety split like that. Yep. Holy smokes. Um, now you don't that, have to search for it. <laughs> that's extremely valuable. It's, it's extremely valuable because it is a different look when you actually go over to Google Earth. Right. <clears throat> So, Evan, how long have you been using Basemap? Um, I actually followed Ed over to Basemap from OnX. Uh, 2018? No, two thousand. it was actually two years ago, uh, 2019. Okay. 19, 19. Um, and I'm very fortunate. The, the unit that I hunt specifically in Colorado is on a south-facing slope. So we have very, very good service in there. So my hunting partner and I were actually texting with Ed during all of that and on our phones with the 3D mapping. Of course, we're each running, you know, 20 megahertz uh, battery packs um, and I run two of them. So like we were chewing through data, playing around with looking at different canyons, you know, where we're going to be dropping into. Right. Um, and so that was, yeah, that was 2019. That was the first year we really played with it. And the nice thing too was again, drawing those distance lines to really see how much ground we were covering horizontally. Right. And being able to map those areas, not, and not doing an actual track because you can create tracks and have that GPS pinging you all the time, like Ed had mentioned, and following you around and see, you know, vertical climb as well as horizontal distance traveled and the time. So you can see how fast you're hiking, how far you're going, um, how fast you're climbing vertically versus your descent. Um, but the cool thing that year too is 
um, Zach, my hunting partner was actually back at the trailhead. He was coming back in that morning from having dropped his bull off at the processor. And I killed my bull before he was even out of the truck. Right. And he, well, he goes, well, how far is he? You know, where are you at? I was like, well, from my camp, I am 267 yards from my bull to the tent. <laughs> and he's like, oh, that's good. I was like, but I'm down in a hole. And base map says that I'm 500 vertical below camp in oh. 200 however many feet. <laughs> so he was able to go, okay, I'm going to go ahead and take my time coming in because you might have him done by the time I get in and I don't have to do the work. Yeah. So yeah. I know what he was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to bring up something new that's coming out here in, in, I, mean, I don't know when this is going to be live, but it's, it's going to be out in early May and you don't know about okay. this yet. Evan. So, I mean, you talked about drawing lines to find distances and stuff. Sure. Uh, so we, we have a new navigation mode that nobody has. Okay. We're putting it, we're putting a compass now on the screen you know, right. at the bottom. It, you know, so it's going to be a compass. So as you spin around in the field, that compass is going to move and give you your, your bearing. Nice. So with that, this navigation mode is going to put a line. You know, if, if you have to navigate to a point, if you find a peak or a camp or where your animal is down or your truck. Right. And you hit go to, it's going to put a line and tell you your bearing, which way you have to go. And as you zoom in and out, the, the, it's going to change the distances, you know, like from miles to yards or whatever. So that you don't have to draw that line now to find out how far away you are. Right. As you zoom in and out, it's going to, it's going to change that. And it's going to actually, it's not going to navigate you around obstacles. You still have to figure that out. Uh, right. But it's going to, it's going to give you, tell you that you're this many degrees off of the way you should be going. And it's, right. you know, it's accurate to within a degree. Um, wow. Wow. You know, the whole compass thing is going to be cool because a lot of people like to use a compass, sure. um, you know, and, and actually, like I said, spin around and, and have it move with you. Cause right mm-hmm. now we just have the little dot that has a little arrow and it's hard to see, you know, so we're, right. we're taking it up a notch and, and you probably won't have to draw the distance lines anymore because the, you know, this navigation mode is going to show you that. Do that for you. Well, and that's, and you guys have had not necessarily on the navigational feature side, but you have had, a directional compass aspect built yeah. in for a while now and specifically on the hunt wind part of your app. Right. Um, right. And that's one of those things I know you guys, uh, one of your partners is bone collectors and that's one of the things they really started kind of helping on the promotion side last year. Yeah. And I really found it very, very useful when I started looking at some things last spring, talk to us a little bit about Huntwind, the development yeah. process, and and really what that is, and and the benefits that that can have, whether you're out west or back in the in the east. Yeah. Right, so you, you know, yeah. real quick, that's one thing that I wanted to add to this whole time. We've been talking about using this stuff out west, but what a lot uh-huh. of people don't understand is what a huge benefit it can be whether you're hunting whitetails in the Midwest, whether you're hunting in the South with stand placement, all kinds of things like that. Go And it sounds yeah. like you're going there right now. Yeah. So, you know, being a guy from the Midwest, you know, I had to base map is founded out in Idaho, you know, so it's a bunch of Western hunters that started the company and, and do this, but being from the Midwest, I kept telling these guys, look, whitetail is king. I love elk hunting and mule deer hunting as next, as much as the next guy, but whitetail is king. We can all agree on that. 
Um, you know, so it's like, okay, we got to come out with something that is whitetail focused. Um, you know, so we bring in bone collector about this time last year. Okay. To try to get to the masses and Ralph and Vicky. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're with us as well. So we try to get to the masses of the whitetail crowd and, you know, we had all these ideas for features and I said, guys, what we need is we need some sort of a, um, scent cone or, you know, something that's going to show your, the way your scent is going the real time wind direction and, and future prediction of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Jeff Balch, our founder started playing around and coming up with ideas and looking at, you know, other apps and whatnot. So we came out with something called hunt wind. Um, it, we launched it, uh, early September ish last year. Mm-hmm. And, it will show you in real time. Now you have to have cell phone service for this kind of, um, it'll show you where your scent is blowing at that point in time. Um, you can look ahead in the future, you know, 24 hours, 48 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a Midwest guy and you're dropping tree stand markers, now it's going to ask you, okay, in this stand, what is your ideal wind condition? You know, where does the wind need to be blowing? for you to sit in that stand and hoping a deer is going to come by. So wow. now it'll, it'll tell you, okay, you need to be in this stand because the, the conditions are ideal. Right. Um, you know, so what it does is it shows a visual on the screen shows like smoke blowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And as you look at it and scroll ahead to, you know, future hours, it, you'll see it move and, and whatnot. So, I mean, it, it's super helpful for the whitetail guy, you know, that's going and sitting in the stand, but, you know, it's beneficial for, for the Western hunters too. Now the drawback, and we get questions about this, is it doesn't factor in thermals, okay? I mean, that's that's all but impossible. You still right. have to still have to know what you're doing with that. Mm-hmm. But it's going to give you a general idea of where the wind is blowing. Right. Um, you know, so, so Hunt Wind came out in September, and it is now our number one used feature in the app. No kidding. Yep. That fast. And I, and I, and I think the uniqueness of, like you said, when you, when you drop a tree stand location or a ground blind location, part, part of that setup process for that specific waypoint is where are the ideal wind locations for this specific set? So when I was using it this fall with my brother and hunting buddy in Kansas, like they're calling me first thing, before they go out to an evening set, if I've been out spotting and stalking all day, hey, um, getting ready to head out, but what's the wind doing this afternoon? Which which sets do I need to go and go sit? So I'm pulling up that hunt wind section going, hey, um, tree stand location, Smith, tree stand location, Roy, tree stand location, um, Russell are the three that you want to be sitting tonight because all the other ones that we've got are going to be on a bad wind. Those are going to be your three three best bets. Right. And all of a sudden we're seeing more mature deer activity and a higher percentage opportunity because of it. Right. You know, and what I've been doing this spring specifically is I learned a hard lesson last year, completely not having hunted turkeys since we're in season for that right now. Turkey's a big bird. They might have the same consistent roost, but they're going to go in and out of it differently every day, depending on the wind. Yep. They need to take off into the wind and they need to come out into the wind to keep lift, just like a plane when it's landing or taking off, takes off and lands into the wind to create that lift to either come out of the air or get into it. And I kept messing up because these birds 
would pitch down one direction in the morning. And so I knew the next morning, well, that's where they want to be coming down at. That's where I'm going to sit. Well, not on that wind. And so I go sit where they came down the morning before in the wrong wind and they go out the opposite direction. And once I finally figured that out, guess what? I killed two birds coming off the roost. When you, so, when you, when you first started down this path, I didn't know where you were going with it for a second. <laughs> I was contemplating whether to jump in there and tell you, uh, what are you talking about? Wind direction for turkeys? Yep. That, that yep. makes sense. Really? Yep. And you, and, and you always, always hear, you know, one of the, one of the big sayings is roosted is roasted. Well, mm-hmm. if you don't sit in the right spot because of the wind on a turkey in the morning, it's not. Mm-hmm. So now, okay, you know where those birds are roosting. Pull up to where you want to be. Get out, check hunt wind or check it before you leave the house or the hotel. Oh, that's not the wind that we had yesterday morning, which means they're not going to come out and land here. They're going to fly this direction. I can set up over here on this corner because they should hit here and probably travel here because this is their strut zone. And that's how you can even use it effectively as a turkey hunter. Right. Um, it, 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 now I know we're on a Western big game, you know, archery podcast here, but I'm sure a lot of the guys listening are probably waterfowl hunters too. It's the same, the same thing. Yeah. You know, ducks and geese want to land into the wind. So right. this, this is going to help those guys too figure out where you're going to put your decoy spread. Yep. Huh. Yep. An incredible feature. <clears throat> So, yeah, and, you were showing it to too, me you this can, year, Evan, um, mm-hmm. just over the, I think we were on a, a FaceTime call or something like that. And you were showing me some of that stuff. It, it, it's, it's pretty cool. Cause it shows you the cone. It doesn't just show yeah. you. And that that's once again, this is something that we could all be doing even without this software, but that visual is what really helps you out and understanding where that, where that cone will go and where the edges of it are, you know, um, yep. that's, that's a big deal. Yep. That's and, a big deal. And yeah. Direction and wind speed as, as that wind speed picks up that, that cone, you can see it actually thin out on the app, but it is longer because your yes. scent is traveling farther right. as that wind speed dies. It actually congregates and you can see it get thicker and heavier with less wider. Because guess where your scent's going to be at? It's going to be right here packed around that location. Yeah. It's right. it's truly a unique feature that completely changed the way we approached our sets and how we were hunting a lot of these areas and locations. Man, that yeah. that is super cool. Um, and so why don't we talk a little bit about um, subscriptions, Ed, and what people are looking at and, uh, you know, you, what the options are. Right. So, you know, we have a, a free or basic version, which is very limited. Um, you, know, you can get, I think, drop 50 markers on it. Um, you can you can use Huntwind, but it's right now, You and you can, like, drop one stand and see Huntwind. You can't look in the future. Um, it doesn't show any – it shows property boundaries, but it doesn't tell you who owns anything. So you don't know if it's public. You don't know if it's private. Right. Um, then we, we have our pro membership, which is 30 bucks a year for all 50 states, and that unlocks everything. Well, almost oh, really? everything. We have, we have a, um, a hunt research add-on for 10 bucks a year that shows some harvest data, um, shows season dates, and it shows some, some information from Eastman's Hunting Journal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the core of it is 30 bucks a year for all 50 states. 
Wow. And you can turn those you can turn those on and off yep. at your will, right? Yes. As different yeah, so layers or whatever. As, yeah. yeah. So I mean yeah, you can turn on as many layers as you want. You know, with the with the pro membership for thirty bucks, you get unlimited waypoints, you get unlimited offline maps. I mean it's really dependent on how much space you have on your phone. Uh, but it's it's thirty bucks a year for all fifty states where our competitors thirty bucks a year for one. Wow. Wow, that is a that that is a value, um, which is man, <laughs> thirty bucks a year. We're talking a quarter of a gas tank in your truck. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? And yeah. I when when somebody doesn't really realize what they what kind of capabilities that they give you, it's it's not just a no brainer. It's a must. You know, it, it to, to have some software, some way of doing this, if you're not doing it already, you are you're crippling yourself. Even if you're right. just hunting in your own home state, places that you've hunted for a long time, mm-hmm. there there are features that you'll be using. There's new yeah, ideas I, I, that you'll come up with. You know, here in Wisconsin, we don't have the vast tracts of public land like you guys have out west. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there's big, big tracts of public way up north where I don't hunt. Um I hunt a hundred acre parcel that my aunt and uncle own. I know the property like the back of my hand. Right. There's, there's features I use. I check Huntwind. We've got like 20 stands on this property. Okay. What yeah. stand am I going to? Because I can look at Huntwind uh, sure. for Turkey, you know, here, here, if you go ask permission to shoot deer, they chase you off with a shotgun. You go ask, go knock on a door and ask to shoot turkeys. They tell you to shoot every dang one of them. Mm, right. So I could drive around with this and, and go, go do some door knocking and know that I'm go who I'm going to talk to. And it, you know, it helps me get permission if I need it. Um, you know, so it doesn't matter if you've been on a property for 20 years or going to someplace new. I mean, there are definitely benefits to it. Right. And yeah. are you, are you finding that realtors are starting to use this? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So, so in my, in my former life, before I got, um, it was working full time with base map. I was in the insurance industry and I was specializing in, in farm insurance. Right. I use this. I use this every day, every day. Really? Huh? <laughs> and for, for what kinds of different things, just to, for the, um, mainly to, for the to, landowner for the plat, yeah, plat to, maps. Yeah. To look at where, you know, where, you know, cause the farmers out here have property all over the place. It's, Okay, I need to know when you're when we're writing insurance. I need to know how many acres are on this parcel and that parcel. So I, I and just finding all of it, you know. So right. yeah, I would use it use it daily, right? Or even for even for prospecting. Okay, I can see. Okay, this guy's a huge farm. I know who owns this. I can start doing a little research on it. Yeah, sure. yeah re- realtors are using it. I mean, there's there's a lot of uses for mapping software like this. Yeah. Well. That is super sweet, man. I'm glad that we had a chance to talk to you today. Um, if, if you want to give anybody information on how to find base maps, uh, go ahead and give it to them. Yeah, so um, obviously we have a website, uh, basemap.com. Um, you, know, you can go there to sign up for a membership, or if you have a membership, you can go on basemap.com and log into your account and do your e-scouting on the computer. Um, we are on social media, obviously Facebook, Instagram, um, so you can find us there for very various things, tips, tricks, killer killer hunting photos, you know, stuff like sure, that. Sure, so. sure. So, and and just to be clear, you the way you'd get hooked up with that is go to the website, sign up for a whatever subscription that you want to sign up for, get familiar with it a little bit, and, and then download the app. Right. 
Yeah, so you could do it two ways. You can go on the website to actually purchase the membership, or you can go through your your respective app store, you know, iTunes or you know Apple or Google Play, and sign up right. that way. And your login's the same. You log into the app, yep. you log into the desktop, and Correct. everything magically appears. It's everything magically mm-hmm. appears. And you know, if you're out there and on the fence and wondering, okay, I've got on X and I've got 500 waypoints. We make it pretty easy. It takes about two minutes to transfer all your stuff over from any other app. And really, super yeah. easy. It's real easy. We have, we have, I think, we have, I think, two tutorials on our YouTube page. It's it takes less than two minutes on the desktop. Well, very cool, man. I appreciate you coming on here today, Ed. Um, and we'll for sure have you on again sometime. Um, yeah, Evan, you got anything in closing, buddy? No, Ed and I are both like packed up, ready to go turkey hunting. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I had a, I had a last minute uh, ability to get that done. So we pull it off, and yeah, Ed's heading out, and so am I. So, well, sweet yeah. man, I just I just got back. God bless Nebraska again. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping to, I'm hoping to get up to where I'm turkey hunting tomorrow afternoon and be headed home tomorrow night. <laughs> right on yeah he Four mentioned points. you know a couple of days i'm like if you shot two birds in an hour last time yeah. you're not gonna need days <laughs> yeah i'm, I'm yeah. being I'm, I'm i'm very optimistic that that it's gonna happen quickly again i mean when i when we shot two birds in two days you know in an hour yeah both in the morning i'm going up and, and start my hunt in the afternoon which i don't like to do but we've uh we've got a couple times that are in the same spot every afternoon so i think it's going to happen quick no you're well, just trying to cool. find a way to extend that trip a little bit <laughs> <laughs> exactly i just hope that they act better than most of the birds that i've been hunting for the last three weeks have been acting it's been it, everything seems to be late this year uh i we're just now starting to see the first hens uh both here in colorado and kansas and nebraska that are wandering out by themselves. You know what I mean? And and it's it's just been real late and the toms haven't yeah. seemed like they're ready. You might be hitting it right on the nose. So I hope so. Yeah, and that's yeah, all my all the phone calls I've made so far sounds that way too. Um had a lone lone hen strolling through the the lower cornfield uh 2 days ago on my parents' property and talked to another landowner that was out last Friday checking fence and saw a lone hen midday out out going to nest so yeah it's that that cold front push through that you had to deal with danny and what i i think i got a text i just woke up to six inches of snow on the ground are you kidding me <laughs> <laughs> from me yeah 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 that, it was first couple of days were pretty rough nice. well good luck guys and thanks everybody for listening and we will see you down the trail take care you thank you